I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Today I want to talk about resolutions. After all, it is New Year's Eve, right? I even waited to release this episode for the full effect. (laughs) This is a time when people usually make resolutions. A resolution is by definition the state or quality of being resolute, firm determination, or a firm decision to do something. People make all kinds of resolutions, from losing weight to saving money to not yelling at their spouse spouse or kids. A study conducted by the University of Scranton found that just 8% of people achieve their New Year's goals, while around 80% fail to keep their New Year's resolution. 80%, that's a lot of people, folks. Why do you think that is? Well, it's likely that people set lofty goals, have a hard time with self-discipline, and have unrealistic expectations about how long it should take to achieve the goal. This year, let's all resolve together not to make resolutions like this, okay? After all, we are a group of people who routinely set ourselves up to fail by setting unrealistic expectations for ourselves and for those around us. So this New Year's, let's start with looking at all we accomplished this year. (gasps) Are you thinking, what's that she said? Yup, let's look at all we've accomplished this year. I know that some, maybe even a lot of you are thinking, I didn't accomplish anything. I have BPD. I push people away. Maybe you are still stuck on choosing to forgive yourself and you tell yourself that everything was awful and you're a failure. Perhaps you even lost relationships because of the disordered behavior. If this is where your mind went, let's talk for a moment about mental filters. In cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, as you may have heard it called, clients are educated on cognitive distortions. A cognitive distortion can be thought of as an unhelpful or faulty way of thinking. One of the main goals of CBT is to identify the cognitive distortions that are at work in your life and help you regain control over those thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Think of cognitive distortions as irrational thoughts and beliefs that we unknowingly reinforce over time. These patterns and systems of thought are often difficult to recognize when they are a regular part of your day-to-day thoughts. That is why they can be so damaging, since it's hard to change what you don't recognize as something that needs to change, right? It is important for you to know that all cognitive distortions are patterns of thinking or believing that are false or inaccurate and have the potential to cause psychological damage. I'm sure you can agree after hearing this that the BPD brain is prone to some pretty negative thinking patterns. I think of this as part of the hyperbolic nature of our brains. When something is bad, it's like horrible, right? When something is scary, it's terrifying. And when we look back on our year, it's not half good and half bad, it's awful and horrible and the like. Those are hyperboles, yes. But I bet you speak in hyperboles and think in them sometimes, even with the work I hope you have been doing on not talking in hyperboles. 
So, before we can talk about making goals for the new year, we need to be able to accurately assess how the past year went so we can look at what we accomplished and build upon that, rather than looking at all we did not accomplish and tearing ourselves down. There are several cognitive distortions talked about in CBT, but today I want to focus on three of them. Overgeneralization, mental filter, and disqualifying the positive. Let's talk first about overgeneralization. This is a sneaky distortion. It takes one instance or example and generalizes it to an overall pattern. For example, I may have or I have many clients that will have a great week. Amazing progress will be made in their recovery, not a hyperbole. But they may have a moment where they teeter the line of having an episode. So when we have a session, they conclude that they're a failure. Overgeneralizing can lead to overly negative thoughts about yourself and your environment based on only one or two experiences. The next distortion I want to review is mental filter. Similar to overgeneralization, the mental filter distortion focuses on a single negative piece of information and excludes all of the positive ones. An example of this distortion is when one partner in a romantic relationship dwells on a single negative comment made by the other partner and views the relationship as lost and hopeless while ignoring the years of positive comments and experiences. Can you relate to that? I know I can. My brain would hang on to phrases that Jay had said to me, often things that would encourage my own growth. And I would still take them as negative and not look at the big picture, disqualifying all of the positive things that he had said, maybe even in that same hour or day. The mental filter can foster a decidedly pessimistic view or negative view of everything around you by focusing only on the negative. This is a big one, folks. If you look back at the year you had, do you only attend to the negative? Is your brain tricking you into believing the year had no positives? Think about that for a moment. The last cognitive distortion we are going to be discussing today is disqualifying the positive. The disqualifying the positive distortion acknowledges positive experiences, but rejects them instead of embracing them. For example, a client that I may be in coaching, that I may be coaching, excuse me, and no, I'm not talking about anyone specifically, crew, this is just an example, but a client I may be coaching may receive positive feedback from me about their recovery. Now, they know me and they know who I am, and if you work with me, you know that I don't blow smoke. If you get positive feedback, it's because you have earned it. Nevertheless, I will give it and the client will assume that I am saying it just to be nice or because I have to. So they disqualify the positive. Have you done this? How about when your partner or friend says you look great? Do you scoff, maybe even in your mind, and go, yeah, right, they have to say that? That's a lie your brain has tricked you into believing because it is disqualifying the positive. This is a really troubling distortion since it can facilitate the continuation of negative thought patterns even in the face of strong, 
logical, real evidence. I can even delineate or draw out all of the reasons why I have given positive feedback to the client in the above example, and yet still, their brain can convince them that I am insincere and that they are not worthy of that positivity. Think about what that does. In this example, it negates who I am because it means that they are making this assumption, jumping to conclusion that I am not the person I say I am, that I am an insincere person who would only give feedback just because I had to. So there's that version of it where it's not allowing them to engage in the ability to tune in to my perspective as a person who is also engaging in this relationship. But it also tricks them into believing that they are not worthy of positivity. So it really separates them in the relationship. These distortions are dangerous, folks. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your journal, take a moment, and record the three generalizations. If you need to play the recording back, do it. And then I want you to list all the ways that your brain could be distorting accomplishments in 2020. Does your brain exhibit these faulty thinking patterns? How? What are all of the things you are focusing on in the year in review? Are they all negative? If so, force yourself or turn your mind to thinking about all of the positive things that have happened. If you can't find any, then you know that your brain has got you tricked. Even if you had 360 days of horrid pain, there are five days left where you may have watched an awesome movie, viewed a beautiful sunset, and had a great realization even while listening to this podcast. What about those moments? Write them down. Find the good things. Choose to find the good things about this year and then continuing, continue listening so that we can come up with some goals for the new year that we can actually achieve and feel good about. Are you currently struggling to stay afloat? Are you looking for more one-on-one support and guidance on your recovery journey? Check out thriveonlinecounseling.com. We offer mindset coaching that will propel your recovery journey forward. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Have phone, video, or text sessions wherever you are. The best part? You can schedule right from our website. Choose the day and time that works best for you. Life can be better. We can help. Make an investment in yourself. You are worth it. All right. Hopefully you have spent some time reflecting on the year and you have your list of good and positive things that you have accomplished or that have occurred in your life in 2020. Now I want to take some time talking about how to set some goals or appropriate resolutions for the upcoming year. If you are listening to this podcast, you most likely want to achieve a more positive mental state, whether that means full recovery for yourself or a loved one. Setting a goal of recovery by 2022 is awesome. You are aiming high and I love it. 
What I am hoping, though, is that you understand some key truths about the way achieving a goal works so that you can succeed. The unfortunate truth is that change, all change, requires a degree of emotional discomfort and a lot of self-discipline. Self-discipline is also on your moral compass, right? Many of you have written to me to talk about how you are having difficulty with being disciplined. Remember that self-discipline is something that needs to be built over time. We build self-discipline by choosing to endure the fleeting or transient discomfort of changing what you are or who you are. I'll say that again. We build self-discipline by choosing to endure the transient discomfort of changing who we are or what we are. People, BPD or not, are not born with self-discipline. You don't just wake up one day and become disciplined. Self-discipline is a skill that is acquired. Think about the way a muscle is built. You have to develop strength one challenge at a time. The same is true for the skill of self-discipline. You need to develop your self-discipline muscle one challenge at a time. So, if you want to achieve the outcome of recovery by 2022, you must break that down into smaller, more measurable goals so that you can develop your self-discipline in small challenges over time. Remember that 80% of people don't achieve their resolutions. Those people likely gave up the pursuit of their goals when they began to experience emotional pain or discomfort. So, instead of having the tendency or even reflex to just bail when things get hard, understand that change requires you to endure this emotional discomfort, not avoid it. One of my favorite lines in the movie Home Alone, if you're out there and you watch holiday movies during the holidays, we watch Home Alone. So one of my favorite lines is when Kevin is waiting for the robbers to come. The clock chimes and he says, This is it. Don't get scared now. Kevin knew that he had to endure the discomfort to protect his home and himself. So I say to all of you, this is it. Don't get scared now. Let's resolve to achieve recovery by enduring the pain that comes with changing who we are. Grab your journal and let's write the first four mini challenges you can begin to work on in the new year to ultimately achieve your outcome of recovery. Number one, think small. Do the right thing the right way. What are all the habits that are holding you back in life? Find the ones that are simple. Do dishes. Pile in your sink. Eat your food. Wash your dish. Do the right thing the right way. Do you struggle with self-care? Brush your teeth for two minutes every morning. Do the right thing the right way. Make a contract with yourself to make it happen. No if, ands, or buts. Find simple challenges and make it happen. Number two, build trust in yourself. When you get used to making small things happen, start saying to yourself as a mantra, what I tell myself I'll do, I'll do. So if you want to trust yourself, you have to succeed, right? One time I was working on this pursuit and I told myself and everyone around me that I would row 10,000 meters a day for 30 days. Foot in mouth. If you have never rowed 10,000 meters, just take my word when I say it was a lofty and ridiculous idea. 
But at the time, I was in the space in recovery where I needed to learn to trust myself. So sure enough, I rode 10,000 meters a day for 30 days. I rested every two days. It was the last time I would ever volunteer that again or make a hyperbolized goal. I accomplished the goal and I learned that I can trust myself even when I say ridiculous things. So a pro tip here is not to create goals that you pledge to complete that you know won't happen. Make the mini challenges things you know you can achieve to build trust within yourself. Number three, invent your own challenges. I had told you in previous episodes that I went about my life sewing blankets, shooting basketballs, setting mini challenges for myself that I invented to cultivate my power of choice and just to prove to myself that I was competent and capable. I was able to believe that I can say and do anything if I put my mind to it. One way to practice this is to invent little challenges that you create for yourself. Maybe it's saving a certain amount of money or learning to surf or spending less money at the mall or showering every day. What are things you want to challenge yourself with that you choose? Remember that like a muscle, the more you work out, the more your confidence and capacity for self-discipline and personal success grows. All right, number four, cultivate self-awareness and positivity. This is a big one. A few episodes ago, I stressed the need for self-awareness and reflection so that we could be honest with ourselves about our behaviors and what we need to change to achieve lasting stability and happiness. Continue to work towards self-awareness. While doing this, it is so important that you become more optimistic. I know it's hard within the BPD mindset. We just talked about cognitive distortions, right? I know I feel myself some days, even now, being pulled into this space where, unlike the Lego movie where everything is awesome, everything is awful. I need to remind myself of all the positives in life, like that I have all of you listening, like that I am grateful to have a family, to have a son, to have a husband, to be alive. And when I'm doing the laundry and I don't want to, that I have clothes to wash. I force myself to choose to see the things that are good when my mind goes negative. It is a habit that I will need to continue to build over my lifetime because I had spent years becoming an excellent pessimist. So I encourage you to train yourself to focus on the positives. If you are someone who tends to whine and complain, either in your head or out loud to loved ones, make a resolution to stop doing that. Pessimists are so used to being negative that they don't realize it's a habit and a choice. I know for myself that I didn't realize it, so be aware and be positive as another mini-challenge. These four mini-challenges will train your brain and get you ready for the next steps in your recovery journey. Make exercising your self-discipline muscle your resolution, and I will continue to do this right along with all of you. I hope each and every one of you has a very happy new year after much reflection on this year's positives and how to move forward in a solid direction. As always, thank you all for listening. We've reached over 102,000 downloads, and I am just so happy that you guys are all finding hope in this podcast and in my words. Now, if you've sent in a question over the last few weeks, I assure you I will be answering them over the next several weeks. 
Thank you to everyone who has signed up for the group as well. It's going to be awesome. Just so everyone knows, we have only two spots left in the Wednesday group and one spot left in our Friday group. Registration closes at the end of next week, so if you want your spot, reach out today and reserve it. Remember to get your merch by clicking on the link at the bottom of the page at thriveonlinecounseling.com. And I'll talk to you guys all next year. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.